Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. So uh, put your thinking caps, your imagination uh, fedoras on. Um, those of you at home as well, do this with me. We're in 1980. The Cold War is happening, okay? And some of you that were alive at this time, but all of us are alive right now because we're doing our imagination. Uh, we're sitting down in our family room and our living room, and uh, we, we get the, the TV on, and we got to, you know, with the antennas and stuff, we got to make sure that that's just right. And we have a game on. It's the 1980 uh, United States Olympic hockey team going against the 1980 Soviet Union hockey team. And uh, some of you may have seen the movie Miracle. Anybody seen that movie, Miracle? It's about that team, uh, Coach Herb Brooks. Um, And so he has this pregame speech. Those of you who are sports fans, you know that a lot of times the coach will gather the the team together and they'll give them a pregame speech to kind of rally the troops. And this is what uh, Herb Brooks, at least in the movie, uh, said to his team because they were extreme underdogs in this game. The United States was not expected to win. The Soviets had been the gold medalists for years and years and years. And they were going against the best. So he tells his, uh, his young guys on the United States team this, great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them 10 times, they might win nine, but not this game. Not tonight. Tonight we skate with them. Tonight we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can. Tonight we are the greatest hockey team in the world. You were born to be hockey players. Every one of you. And you were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. Their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I don't know, right? Who's ready to put some skates on and just go get the Soviets, right? Uh, some of you would be like, okay, <laughs> but I got my skates on. <laughs> because it's the first week of the NFL, I have to give you another one, okay? Um, so I'm a Cowboys fan. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, this is great. I'm used to it. I grew up in Indiana, okay? Um, in, in Peyton Manning era Colts, you know, I understand. So... Um, Former Dallas Cowboy, now coach, Deion Sanders, uh, was, is now the coach of the University of Colorado Buffaloes, uh, and the, the team was 1-11 last year, and uh, this was last week. He gave a pregame speech to his, to his team, and uh, I just have to share it with you. Now, caution, this, after you hear it, and as you hear it, you might be compelled to just run through a brick wall, but please don't. Like, our building campaign is expensive enough, okay? We don't need to add that to it, okay? So here, here's what Coach Prime said to his team on this day. He says, this has nothing to do with the team that's opposing us. This is about us. This has nothing to do with the naysayers, the unbelievers, the haters, the doubters. This is about us. When we started this journey, we told you it was going to be trying, it was going to be tough, but you endured because it's about us. That man next to you is a miracle. That man next to you is a believer. That man next to you is a go-getter. That man next to you is a dog. That man next to you is somebody who wants this thing. That man next to you is somebody who believes. 
That man next to you is somebody who got to have it today. We ain't got tomorrow. We got now. We ain't got next. We got now. We ain't coming no more. We here. Come on. Like, that was my best Coach Prime impersonation. But, you know, I wasn't, I didn't nail it, but it was good. It was close. I had to get the raspy voice in there. Um, but, like, okay, those of us who play sports, we know that the value in a pregame speech. Well, here's the thing. As church folks, um, when we gather together on a Sunday, it's the postgame and the pregame speech. The whole thing. Because we've been out as sent people who have been saved, who have been sent out to go and make a difference in the world, and we're about to go out and do it again. All right? So this is the pregame and the postgame. Uh, and, and Jesus was getting his 12 apostles that he had called to follow him, and, and we're, we're telling them, hey, I've given you my authority to go out and preach the kingdom of God. I want you to preach the good news of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and by doing so, they were, they were declaring war on the kingdom of darkness, Satan and his demons. And I want you to, I want you to heal the, the sick. I want you to, to raise people from the dead and, and I want you to cast out demons. And they were told to go and do this, but in this part in Matthew, we are in the pregame speech that Jesus was giving them. Here's the reason. It's important because they were going out into a world that was going to oppose them. Um, and, and the same can be true for us, at least on a different level, but still true. That, that Jesus saved you not just for you to sit around and wait for heaven. Not just for you to live your best life and, and call it good when it's all done. But for you to make a difference where you are today. For you, to, for you to be that kind of person who goes into the dark places and shines your light because you have the light of Jesus living inside of you. That's what we're called to do because we are saved to be sent. In the pregame speech, Jesus is going to continue... And if you uh, have your Bible, Bible, you can jump into Matthew chapter 10, starting verse 16, because that's where we're going to be. And Jesus is going to tell us and warn us. He's going to give us a series of warnings that we need to heed, that they certainly needed to heed then. And I believe there's still something for us today as well. So Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus says, Look, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> that's nice. Therefore, be as shrewd as serpents and as innocent as doves. Beware of them because they will hand you over to local courts and flog you in their synagogues. You will even be brought before governors and kings because of me to bear witness to them and to the Gentiles. But when, not if, but when they hand you over, don't worry about how or what you are to speak for you will be given what to say at that hour because it isn't you speaking, but the spirit of your father is speaking through you. So we have to understand, like, one of the things that is hard about this passage for me to, like, really teach it and, and apply it to us today is it's real easy to, to kind of be somewhat dishonest with this and say the same kind of challenge that was before Jesus and his apostles is the same challenge that is before us because it's not the same. You know, we don't, we don't face the same kind of persecution that was going to come to them. Not here. I mean, you all, we all walked into this building that is apparent, like, it's a very obvious this is a church building. That the people who come in here are Christians or at least interested in Jesus. We didn't have to sneak in. We ain't got to sneak out. We walk out and we're like, oh, this is nice weather. This is nice. Go find our car and we go. But that's not how it was for them. That's not how it was going to be for them. Jesus was sending out these Jewish men who were proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah, the, the King, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And there were going to be some opposition that they were going to face. 
far greater than what we face here. Now, I have to say, like, it is true that many Christians today do face that kind of opposition. I remember in seminary, one of my fellow students, he was, uh, we were getting, getting in class and we were kind of getting our stuff settled in and it was a professor he hadn't started yet. And so my, my student or my fellow classmate, he was telling us, Hey, can you please pray for my family and for my, uh, for my village? Because, uh, they had been experiencing, he's from Africa, I believe like Nigeria. Um, and they were experiencing Muslim extremists showing up at the building that they were gathering in to worship the, the King Jesus. And they were ready for people walking out. And this had happened a number of times that when they walked out, those Muslim extremists gunned them down with AK-47s on the church steps. That's persecution. That's not what we face here. But a lot of us understand that things are changing. So, so do we face opposition? Yes. Not in the same level. But we ought to be the kind of followers of Jesus who will, no matter what we face, still proclaim Jesus as king. Amen? No matter what they do to us, no matter who does what, no matter what we face, no matter where we go, if we find ourselves in a situation like that, we're going to still worship our king and proclaim him as Lord, no matter what we face. And so is it the same? No. I mean, Jesus, growing up, would have been used to walking to a town with his family, right? Like going going to town, like we're going to town, we're going to Fort Wayne, you know? Um, and as they're walking up to the city gates, would have been used to the stench of rotting corpses on the crosses of the Romans. I mean, this was, this was normal for them to, as kids, be walking to town. And so, oh, kids, let's play a game while we're in the car, you know. I see, you see, whatever the games you play. Like, oh, look at that. That's not nice. That would have been normal for them because they were living under Roman occupation. And Rome had this idea, Pax Romana, which was Roman peace. And they established peace among the empire, among the known world, the largest empire at the time. They established peace through power, peace through violence. So you knew if you were going to go against the Romans, that's what was going to happen to you. You would be humiliated. Crucifixion wasn't something, you know, a lot of times we have this, these kind of images of Jesus being crucified and he's got like garments covering him in certain spots. That, that's not how it worked. They, they stripped you naked and they humiliated you and crucified you and killed you in a very slow death. They, they, Jesus would have known this is the, this is the society I'm growing up in. And yet, when Jesus called his apostles to go out and be sent into the world, he told them, you're going to be opposed, but I'm only sending you to the, to the people of Israel right now. He wasn't even talking about the Romans right now. Because he knew that when they go and proclaim Jesus as the Messiah, there would be plenty of Jewish people who would be opposing them. And what does he say? Verse 16, what do they need to know? What do they need to be? Look, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as serpents and as innocent as doves. Be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. We have to understand there is, even though we might not face the same kind of opposition today, there is a spiritual reality that is underneath all of this. There is from the very beginning, from before creation was ever even made, before Jesus or before the Lord spoke this into existence, God and 
everything's created by him and through Jesus, um, was created into the world, there was a war that started raging in the spiritual realm. That the, the angel, who later became known as Satan, he was an angel at one time, he decided he didn't want to serve God, he wanted to be God. And so he started to oppose Yahweh, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, and he was thrown out of heaven, and he had a number of angels that went with him. So that's when you say Satan and his demons, when you see the demons be described in the New Testament, that is those evil spirits, those, those are angels, former angels who have rebelled against God, and they are on Satan's side. And so ever since then, there's been a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. And that, that war is still battle that's going on right now. Just as Ken said, we know the end of the book, we won, that's true, but the battle's still happening. And so if you follow Jesus or if you, you proclaim him and you started to surrender to him and start to follow him, understand you will be opposed in this life. And sometimes in our world, like in our society, in American culture, I think we're, we're opposed indirectly, but a lot of times it's, it's that we are, we are beaten in battle through distraction and pleasure. Like our level of comfort gets in the way of us understanding this is still a battle. Our level of, uh, I can just do it myself, gets in the way of us recognizing that we might be going down a wrong path. Whereas someone like my friend from seminary, he understands that there is real opposition and, and that spiritual battle is definitely present in the physical world. And that's still true for us. It just might look a little bit different. Satan is always conniving and always strategizing how he can take us out. That word should be shrewd as serpents. Shrewd, that, that Greek word is phronimos. Phronimos. Everybody say that. Phronimos. That's how, you, that's how it's spelled or it looks in Greek. Phronimos. And that word means shrewd, wise, aware. Be someone who can see what's going on and live in light of it. It's not just being knowledgeable about things, but you need to be shrewd as a serpent. And understand you are in a battle, you are in a war, and be living in, in mind of that, right? So it's like kind of wise, it's kind of uh, shrewd. It'd be like the idea of street smarts. Street smarts. Like we all, we all went to school with those people, or we're in school with those people. Like they look smart, you know? They ain't smart. You know what I mean? Like they smart. They ain't smart. You know what I mean? Like maybe some of us were those and nobody didn't tell you about it. But like you book smart, you like read the books, you know the stuff. But when it comes time to like putting that into practice or being like reading people, reading the room, social cues and all that, like you just, that's, that's, that requires street smarts. You learn that on the streets and you need that to survive out in the real world, right? And so Jesus is being, hey, be smart, be street smart, be shrewd because even though you might be, uh, you know, having like friends and, and, and having dealings with, with people all across the time, like of your life, there might be people who will oppose you at times. So you live in light of that. You live understanding that, okay, I need to be aware of my surroundings. I need to make sure that I'm not being taken advantage of. I need to make sure that I'm shrewd and wise in my dealings with people. You know, you might, you might like work in a place where it's, it's not really encouraged for you to share your faith or be open about your faith. So you got to be wise about how you do that. Does that mean you, you, you never talk about it or you never express your, your convictions? No, you just might need to do it in a smart way. You might go to school or it's like, ah, oh, you know, everybody kind of goes a different way and, and like, it might be the popular thing to not follow Jesus, but 
it's not really best for you, so be shrewd because we're going to be tempted to kind of just go, go in line with how things are. And Jesus is saying, hey, you're going to go into a place that is full of opposition. You need to make sure that you're going to be wise about how you do it. You need to be shrewd as a serpent. And, and part of being wise is not being careless. I feel like that's the opposite of being wise, is being careless. Like when you know something and you don't live in light of it. Um, those of you might have seen the pursuit of happiness, you remember this uh, joke. The, the kid tells his dad this joke. He says, one day a man was drowning in the water and a boat came by and said, do you need any help? He said, no, thank you. God will save me. And then another boat came by and said, do you need any help? And he said, no, thank you. God will save me. Then he drowned and went to heaven and he asked God, why didn't you save me? And God said, I sent you two big boats, you dummy. <laughs> see, see, wisdom is recognizing that you should get on the boat. Knowledge is like, okay, I know God's going to take care of me. I know he's for me. I know he cares for me. Wisdom is actually getting on the boat when he sends you the boat. Amen. So you got to be shrewd as a servant. Be wise in your dealings with people. You know, I think this is part of where this kind of really connects with everyday life. I think today we, for those of you who are like really think about the future and you see how things are and you're kind of living in a like, oh, I don't know how things are going to be for the next generation. I don't know how things are going to be for my kids or for my grandkids or my great grandkids, depending on your, you know, demographic. I don't know how things are going to be 20 years from now and you kind of worry about that. And it, like, it just leads to a lot of fear. That some of us, we are walking around because we are so informed about everything under the sun. We are walking around in fear and in anger. I just have to say, like, when's the last time you made a decision when you were fearful and angry? Was it a good decision? No. It wasn't. And what I think Jesus is saying is like, hey, I know you are living in a world where you're going to be opposed and you have every reason to be fearful of what they might do to you. But later in this passage, he's going to tell us not to be fearful of man. Don't fear those who, who might be able to kill the body. Don't, don't fear those. They can't, they can't kill your soul. But fear the one who can kill both body and soul in hell. Like, fear that one. Fear God far more than you fear people. And so, so Jesus is saying, be shrewd, be wise. Be, be like, live in light of what you know. How do we grow in shrewdness? You know, I, I think about shrewdness also as like critical thinking skills. How do we learn critical thinking skills? You know, when you go to college or when you're in school, it's, it's far better when you are learning, uh, like, not what to think, but how to think. That's a helpful thing. Because then we can start to be wise in what we are learning and what we're seeing and ask questions like, does this line up with the, with the heart of Jesus? Does this line up with the actions of Jesus? Does this line up with the teachings of Jesus? You know, what do we do in school? Well, we, we read stuff, so we learn stuff. And then we have to like, sometimes we write papers. Some of you are like, you know, get triggered. And then like you think about writing a paper, like, ah, oh, I can't do that. I don't want to get the typewriter out, right? Um, or like, ah, oh, it's just too much writing. But writing is thinking. And one of the other ways that we learn things is through what Socrates in, in, uh, kind of invented or, or started to popularize back when he was alive. And it's kind of called Socratic seminars. Basically what that is is just a dialogue. A dialogue with someone who's asking questions and asking questions of the answers and digging deeper and digging deeper and digging deeper. 
It's an open discussion, and that's, that's thinking, right? Part of being wise is thinking through the things, the decisions that you're making. And that's why I love community groups, because a community group led well is like a Socratic seminar, but for our faith. So we open up the scriptures, we see what it says, and then we have a discussion about it. And, and the, the question, the first question shouldn't be the only question. Even when you, it's like the first question that the group leader asks, well, and then somebody gives an answer. Well, we shouldn't stop there. Ask a follow-up question. Ask a follow-up questions. Dig deeper. Well, what do you think about this? Well, maybe can introduce some kind of opposing idea. That's how we learn how to think biblically. That's how we learn how to think about our faith is by being exposed to different ideas. And so I go, okay, does, how, does this, how does this contend with the teachings of Jesus? How does this interact with what we see Jesus doing? And then we can start to evaluate, okay, is this a thing I should be doing? Is this a, is this a thing I should be for? And so we, we must grow in our shrewdness, and I think community groups can be a great way to do that. As long as we start to ask questions of the question. The question underneath the question. And somebody gives an answer. Well, what do you think about this? Or why do you believe that? I think more of us need to be thinking more about what we believe and why we believe it. And that will help us be shrewd in our dealings with the world. He says, be shrewd as serpent and innocent as doves. The the Greek word for innocent is akarios. Akarios. And it means pure. It means innocent. It means surrendered to Jesus. No matter what. Because you might be tempted in, in this world to like do some do some shortcuts. Do some like ah I'll I'll compromise on this thing because it's for a greater end. And I, I don't know, we've seen too many people who have professed Jesus but have fallen off the deep end because they thought maybe they were doing the right thing, even though that wasn't at all the right thing, but they were doing it for a different end, but they didn't follow Jesus' means about doing it. So be shrewd as a serpent, innocent as doves. And then he goes on and says this in verse 21. Brother will betray brother. These warnings. This is what's going to happen for those who follow Jesus who are Jewish. Um, and for some families after that who are Gentiles. Brother will betray brother to death. And a father his child. Children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Isn't this just such an inspiring pregame speech? Like, it's so fun. It's so dope. Like, it's just so good. Uh, but like, Jesus is being honest. Like, hey, this is what you're going to face. Because for the Jews, when they surrendered to Jesus as the Messiah, that cost them their families. In many, for many people, that cost them their friends. That cost them their social circles. They were disowned. But, but they were still willing to follow Jesus because they believed him to be who he was. So brother's going to betray brother, father is child, children will rise up against parents. You'll be hated by everyone because of my name, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to another. For truly I tell you, you will not have gone through, me, through, me, through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher or a slave above his master. It is enough for a disciple to become like his teacher and a slave like his master. If they called the head of the house Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household. The Jewish leaders were calling Jesus the, the prince of demons <laughs> because they opposed him. Therefore, don't be afraid of them. 
Since there is nothing covered that won't be uncovered and nothing hidden that won't be made known, there will be a day where every truth will be exposed. There will be a day that no matter what people's declaration or confession was when they were alive up to this point, they will bow the knee and profess that Jesus is Lord. Every knee will, knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. There will be a day where every truth is uncovered. Every action is uncovered. Verse 27, What I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. What you hear in a whisper, proclaim on the housetops. You should proclaim your hope. Don't fear those who kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. But even the hairs of your head have all been counted, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus is saying, no matter what you face, no matter what you encounter, no matter how many people oppose you, no matter how many friendships you lose, no matter how many family member relationships you lose because of your faith, not because you are being a... Uh, a meanie head, you know, but because of your faith, fear God. Don't fear man. If you live in a society that starts to say you can't follow Jesus, don't fear man. What's the worst that they're going to do? They're going to kill you. Well, guess what? We know that ain't the end. That's not the end. But fear the one who is able to kill both body and soul. I mean, Jesus this is so inspiring. But what, what do we do in a hostile world? Here's the trick. Living in a hostile world, the trick is being shrewd as a serpent without becoming one. You know what I'm saying? Be shrewd as a serpent. Don't be a serpent. Uh, live faithfully in a hostile world without becoming hostile yourself. That's hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to do and it? like, because we live in a world where everyone wants you to be fearful. Everyone wants you to be angry. Why? Well, so that you'll think like they want you to think. So that you'll vote like they want you to vote. So that you'll do what they want you to do. Because nothing motivates like a good little bit of fear and anger. Right? Going back to our, our just like, just raw human nature ways. But the trick is to be shrewd as a serpent and innocent as a dove. How do we do that? Well, we, we understand that like, like master, like disciple, they, they oppose Jesus quite a bit. So why would we be surprised if they oppose us? Uh, when, when he tells us, gives us something to say, preach boldly. Preach boldly. We fear God alone. We don't fear man. We know that God cares for us. At the end of the day, understand God cares for you far more than you care for you. Far more than any of the per- people in your life who love you the most he cares for you far more than they do. And he showed it by, going, by sending Jesus to the cross. He gave up everything for you and for me. So what do we do in this hostile world? Well, we've been sent into it. You've been sent into a hostile world, not to respond to it with hostility and fear, but with hope and faith. You know, this, this world needs people who are filled with hope and filled with faith. Like the, the people you interact with at work, the people you interact with at school, the people you interact with at, at Kroger and at Walmart, um, they need people in their lives who are filled with hope and filled with faith. You are those people. I'm that person. 
that no matter what they're going through, I know like on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok and Twitter and whatever else you're on, Snapchat, like it all seems like everybody's got it all going on. But y'all, people are hurting. People live in this world, the same world you do. They're, they're, they're dealing with the same stuff. Even, though, even if they don't follow Jesus, they're still dealing with the same emotional issues that you do. They, they need people around them who aren't gonna be frantic and fearful and just angry and just ready to mob everything but to be people who are calm, people who are aware, who look reality right in the face, don't put our head in the sands, and yet are still innocent and surrendered to Jesus that we're going to do the right thing no matter what. The people need that kind of hope and that kind of faith-filled people in their lives. And Jesus has sent you and I to be those people, to be the people who are going to go into the most dark places in your life, in your ecosystem, and shine the light of Jesus. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. The light that we have is not ours, it's Jesus's. But we're the spotlight that shines on him. And so no matter where you go, you're sent there by Jesus. Here's eight commitments as we close. Eight commitments you can make as you seek to be a sent person who is on mission. Because you were saved to be sent, as Mike told us last week. You were saved to be sent. It's not just for the apostles, it's for us. So eight commitments that you can make as you go out and be the people he's called you to be. Number one, I will stand firm in Jesus and never deny him. I will stand firm in Jesus and never deny him. No more uh, one foot in, one foot out. I'm going to stand firm right here. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's, it's not just a declaration we make, but it's a life that we live. I will stand firm in Jesus and never deny him. Number two, I will obey the scriptures and never compromise them. I will obey the scriptures and never compromise them. What does that require? It requires that we know the scriptures. It requires that we engage with them so that we can understand what God is calling us to do. Number three, I will be holy and never conform to the world. It's going to be an ongoing battle. But out of, out of every temptation, there's a way out. Jesus is calling us to be holy just as he is holy and never conform to the world. Number four, I will make, the, I will make disciples and never betray the gospel. I will make disciples and never betray the gospel, y'all. Making disciples is not for the, the super Christians or the elite Christians. It's not for the, the special forces Christians. It's for everyone. We're called to make disciples. What does that mean? It means that we teach others to obey Jesus. That's all it means. It means that we, we walk with people so they can learn about who Jesus is. We can share our story, the reason for the hope that we have, and we can walk with them as they learn. And, and you don't have to know all the answers, y'all. If you don't know an answer to the question that they have, you could just say three powerful words. I don't know. That's okay. And then you can add some other words, and I didn't think about how many of this is, but uh, here it is. Let's find out together. Let's find out together. Four. Let's find out together. And then you just walk with them. I will make disciples and never betray the gospel. Number five, I will rescue sinners but never approve of sin. Sometimes we get it twisted. We, we start looking at the sinner and, and start to, to like act like they're sin themselves. That's a person who's loved by God, whom Jesus died for. I will rescue sinners but never approve of sin. Number six, I will bless my enemies and never curse them. Ooh, that's hard. Somebody talking bad about you? Blessings in the name of Jesus, Right? I will bless you and not hope that the Lord spites you. You know, like, it just like, 
I mean, the Psalms are kind of filled with some stuff. Like David got upset with some people. He was like, you know what, Lord, just deal with them. <laughs> I, you know, I want what's best for them, but I don't. Uh, <laughs> I'll bless my enemies and never curse them. That's what Jesus says. I, I will rejoice in my sufferings and never become bitter. I'll rejoice in my suffering. Yay, Jesus. Thank you for these sufferings and never become bitter. Why? Because I know that I'm just following after the same footsteps as my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He suffered for me. Number eight, I will hope in Jesus and never hope in this world. Y'all, it's easy for us to hope in this world, the things of the world, the things that can be offered, especially when we're upward mobility and we've got it going on and things are going well and things are going nice at work and we got the bank account starting to fill up and some of us are like, that would be nice. Um, you know, it's like hard to just fill my gas tank up. But, you know, like when, when things are comfortable, like that's one of the greatest enemies of our faith here in America is our comfort and our, our, our belief that, well, we can just figure it out ourselves because we've accomplished all this on our own anyway. What do we need God for? That's not how we would say it, but that's how we live. That's not how we would say it, but that's kind of how we pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Just please be with me. Amen. Like when you take steps of faith, that's when you see God show up in a new way. And if you're not getting out of your comfort zone as a sent person, you're not going to see God show up in the same way. If you get outside of your comfort zone, like how many, how many times have we had the Holy Spirit living inside of us, who have, who, those of us who have followed Jesus, how many times have we had God nudge us, the Holy Spirit just nudges us to say something to somebody, or ask them a question, maybe share our faith with them, or ask them just what, where they stand, like what their beliefs are, and then we don't? How many times have we done that? How many times, like, okay, I know, Lord, like, but, but I'm not that guy. That's just not me. I, I just, that's too uncomfortable. But you were saved to be sent. You're that person who they need to be in their lives to go and tell them about Jesus. How will they hear if no one has preached to them? How will they believe if they have not heard? That's not just for the person who stands on a stage. That's for all of us every day. You were saved to be sent, y'all. So let me just give you the mindset, the posture, and the heart of us as sent people. Real quick. Number one, the mindset. This is our mindset as we go into this world. I'm sent here, and I could very well be opposed, so I must be smart. I must be shrewd. I must be wise. I'm sent here. I'm, I'm supposed to be here. God sent me to be here, wherever here is in that moment. But I, must be, I might be opposed, so I must be wise, smart, shrewd, innocent. Here's our posture. That's the mindset. Here's our posture. I'm here to be a witness of Jesus. It ain't about me. I'm here to just testify of what the Lord has done in my life. I'm here to be a witness of Jesus. I'm here to honor Jesus at all times. That is a non-negotiable. I'm here to honor Jesus at all times. That is my posture and a heart, the heart that we approach this world with. The heart is, we're not afraid. We're not afraid. Why? Because God's got you. God's got you. He sent us here to tell people about him, to serve, point people to Jesus. That's it. So we do our part and we trust God with the rest. Friends, don't be afraid. He calls us to be shrewd, not fearful, innocent, not hostile. And you might've felt like recently, like the fear just boiling up. You got the hostility kind of boiling up. And you're like, just uh, like whatever it is, like whatever it's about, you know, whatever. Could be a person, could be a society thing, could be politics, whatever. We're heading into another election season. Yay. Right? 
Guard your heart, y'all. Guard your heart. Be wise. Be shrewd. Be aware. But also be innocent. Don't be fearful. And don't be hostile. I, I guarantee you weren't argued into the kingdom of God, were you? Somebody sat you down and told you how you were a big dummy. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'll surrender to Jesus. Thank you. That's not how it worked. People who cared about you came alongside of you, taught you about Jesus, showed you what living like a follower of his is. They cared for you. So let's be that for other people as well. You've been sent into a hostile world, not to respond to it with hostility and fear, but with hope and faith. Like Deion Sanders said, Coach Prime, we ain't got tomorrow. We got now. We ain't got next. We got now. We ain't coming no more. We here. You've been saved to be sent out into the world for this day. Let me just add in another one. This is your time. In a long line of faithful people in our church and throughout the world, you've been sent to this moment in history at this place right here and now. You've been saved to be sent. So let's step up and be the people he's called us to be. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being good and being holy and being the one we can always look to and lean on no matter what this world throws at us. Jesus, you are our king and we bow down to you, giving you everything that we've got. God, I pray that we can all pray this in confidence and in surrender that we surrender to you our minds. We're, we're open to being wrong about some things. We want you to show us what your truth is. We surrender our hearts. We understand that sometimes we get off on the wrong path and we, we surrender to you to, to show us where we need to go. We surrender to you our relationships. We know that you care far more about our spouse, about our kids, about our friends, about our significant others, about our families, about the strangers around us. You care far more about them than we could ever care for them about. We know that they're your people. So we ask you to help us to treat them as people made in the image of God. God, we surrender our careers. We surrender our dreams. We surrender our relationships. We surrender our frustrations. We surrender our struggles. We surrender our finances, our possessions. God, we're here surrendering it all to you because we know that if we put these things in your hands, you'll care for them far better than we will. God, as we go out into this world today, lead us to be sent people who can proclaim your goodness and grace to the masses. Help us to do our part here where we are in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.